Hi, this is Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried, the podcast where I interview single Christians about their lives and faith. Hey, hey, welcome to the first interview of our next series for season three, Dating. We haven't talked about dating all that much thus far, but this season, so many of my guests wanted to talk about dating experiences they had. This series, you'll hear from three awesome people about challenges they have faced in dating and how they are working through those. First up, we have Mark Engel. Mark works in venture capital. He is a Seattle native, an opera lover, and an avid runner who lives on the Upper West Side. In this conversation, you'll hear us talk about Mark's path to New York, a challenging dating relationship he had a couple years ago, and where he finds hope. So let's get to it. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the Unsuitable Podcast. Hi, Mary B. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for making your way all the way across the park. Across the forest, as my friends say, yeah. Yeah, just Mm -hmm. a a real trek to -hmm. get over here. Though you do live right by the Trader Joe's. I do. Which I'm very envious of. You're welcome anytime. (laughs) Come on over. I I try to get over there maybe every two weeks Mm -hmm. because it's like... It's an excursion. It's like a half day right. extravaganza. Oh wow! To like you must well because I like walk across the park, and I bring like my grandma cart with me, so I don't which have to I love carry. that. You, do that. <laughs> you know, like I tried for a while to just have my bags, and they were really heavy. That's a lot to fluff. Because <laughs> I get like I a lot of stuff. You know, you got to stock up because stock there up. is not a Trader Joe's on the east side, which is. A travesty. It is a travesty. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So Trader Joe's, if you're listening, which you are not, (laughs) (laughs) there's plenty of real estate here that would be adequate for a Trader Joe's. You're like, you're ready to spend money. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, there's so much neighborhood buy-in. They need to know how much they could be making. Yeah, they're like, they're losing money. They are. And And it's it's weird. It's it's this bragging rights opportunity that I have as an Upper West Sider. That, uh-huh. I don't, that I don't feel it makes sense, you know? <laughs> like why why do we have a Trader Joe's but you don't? Yeah. You know? And I think there's two, no? There's one on 91st Street as there, well. That's right. Just selfish over there, hoarding the Trader Joe's. Selfish. Like hoarding the affordable groceries. Yeah. <laughs> that's the Upper West. Yeah. You know? Yeah, grocery hoarders. hoarders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of... The Upper West Side, what what brought you to New York initially? Yeah, I was living in Seattle previously mm-hmm. and working for um, a diversified industrial Fortune 100 called Honeywell, and they shipped me out here. I was going through a rotation program mm-hmm. with them, and they gave me the opportunity to take a job within the company mm-hmm. on the East Coast. Nice. So I took it, and they shipped me over here, and they paid for my moving expenses and all of that. Oh my gosh, what a dream. It was okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was fine. Yeah. You know, it was pretty good. And so, yeah, I ended up over here. I originally moved to Brooklyn. Okay. I am not cool enough for Brooklyn, is what I learned very quickly. <laughs> so I landed, <clears throat> I landed in Brooklyn, and the job that I had was actually out in rural Long Island. Oh. That was the location of the office. Okay. Did some work there, uh-huh. and then got an opportunity to work at their corporate HQ, which is out in Jersey. So okay. about as far away from New York to the west as Melville was to the east. Yeah, and uh, was doing that for a while. 
and and then I left that and started working in the city. Mm-hmm. And I've been very happily living and working in the city for about two and a half years. Two and a half years. Okay. So that's just that you've been working in the city and living in the city versus how long have you been here total? So when I moved to Brooklyn from Seattle, that was five years ago. Five years. It's yeah. a decent amount of time. It's okay. Do you feel like you've settled in and you feel like, do you feel like a New Yorker? I, you know, I don't think there are, you know, I think there's some pithy saying about how you're not a New Yorker until you're 10 years in, something like that. If you're, if you're nine years, you're still new, something like that. Right. Um, I think that I'm comfortable here. I'm happy here, Mm -hmm. but I certainly see that I'm, you know, I'm compared to the people, at least in my neighborhood, upper wise, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm the newcomer. Yeah. 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 I feel like the upper west side in here is, well, there's a lot of really established like families and older people who have lived in New York like their whole lives. Which I love. Yeah. Those older people. Yeah. I love the Upper West. So I live on 74th and Broadway and it's, in my opinion, it's just the best place to live on earth. I I adore it. (laughs) And part of it is these lovely old people. Yes. That are just, they're there, they're shopping at Fairway or if they figured out this new newfangled Trader Joe's situation, (laughs) they're there too. And uh, man, they're just really great. Yeah. You know, they're just living their lives. Um, so what uh, what has been a challenge for you living in New York? Uh, just any and all challenges? Sure. Wow, that's it that's could be long. it could be broad or it could be more specific to where we want the conversation to go. We can go there in a second, but there's one that really needs to find its voice, which is um, I struggle with my Upper East Sider friends not having a Trader <laughs> Joe's. I just think that the the lack of justice. Yeah. Um you know, it's it keeps me up at night. Yeah, um, I appreciate the solidarity. Yeah, I'm with you, Mary B. Um, yeah. We need to we need to fight. I, mean, this I need injustice. to like when I post about this on Instagram, I'm going to tag Trader Joe's. We need to get on the gram and use our voice and our yeah. platform and affect change. Yeah. Um. Yeah. On the direction of the conversation, which is dating and relationships, or at least that's what I've chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, difficulty in New York. I think that in a city that is affluent and where the, you know ch- choice seemingly abounds, and I think there's a debatability on what that means, especially for like the Christian community, mm-hmm. just because there are a million you know people that could fit you know what you're looking for doesn't mean you have a million options, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the many challenges is this. Um, I think it's sometimes, I'll just speak for myself, hard to escape conflating uh, the consumerism of dating, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you go into a supermarket and there's, you know, a wall full of all of these, you know, cereals that you could choose from. And yeah. sometimes you can be overwhelmed with that impression. But the problem is, like, that's not how you should approach dating. It's right. not a shopping situation. Right. But I think that not only does it appear that way, but I think that also men do this for women and women do this for men, um, they present themselves as, you know, if I can somehow brand myself more attractively than mm-hmm. the person sitting next to me, mm-hmm. I can secure a mate. Mm-hmm. I can attract that guy or mm-hmm. I can win over that girl. And so I think that we sometimes, me, again, I'll just be personally, we can feed into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a challenge. Um, yeah, There's more, sure. but that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, there seem to be a relatively endless list, like a um, number of choices, and mm-hmm. almost—I don't know. I feel like 
you can fall into, I certainly do fall into this mindset of like, I can find the quote unquote perfect person if I just keep looking. There are 8 million people in this city. Certain number of them are single. (laughs) Certain number of them are probably what I'm looking for. Um, So if I just keep looking, then I'll probably find it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Can you um, talk about a specific dating experience that you've had in the city? Definitely. Uh, So the one that I was thinking about, um, you know, I won't mention her name. We can call her Kay. And, you know, Kay and I were introduced by a common friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm 35 now. So Mm -hmm. I was 33 at the time. And uh, she was near the same age, maybe a year younger. Mm -hmm. And I think that we were both, uh, you know, single, Christian, kind of tired of, you know, ready to uh, kind of take the next step in our lives, you know, find someone, settle down. I think we were shooting for the same kind of thing. So we met each other and were, um, I think, relieved a little bit. Yeah. Kind of like, wow, this person seems great. And it seemed like there was some mutual interest. And we started dating pretty seriously, pretty quickly. And um, some of that was genuine attraction. I think, um, yeah, I, I think that it you know made sense. And at the same time, I think that in hindsight, maybe we both represented to each other more of an avatar of this idea right. of a mate as opposed to finding out who we you know were in, in reality. And over the next several months, I think kind of, needed to come face to face with that reality and struggled and ultimately didn't work out. We're not together. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like that's a relationship that has kept me thinking and mm-hmm. kept me, you know, kind of processing and evaluating, you know, do I know what I want? Yeah. Am I up to the task? Mm-hmm. You know, she was a very impressive person. And, you know, I mm-hmm. think probably we didn't work out because we weren't compatible. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that we were, we would have been great together. And I just, couldn't make it work. I'm not sure, you know. So yeah. kind of, you know, the wheels are still spinning on that one, even yeah. a couple years later. I think. Yeah, I think there's just so much ambiguity mm-hmm. in the aftermath of that kind of situation, especially if it's someone who, on paper, is like so great. Mm-hmm. You're like, they're so great. Why? Like, what is the disconnect here? Is it me? Is it just like something? like a chemistry thing that wasn't there. Right. You know, there's like, I don't know. There's just, it's a very nebulous thing of, um, I don't know if I'm a problem solver. And so I'm like, if I just think about this long enough, I will figure out what it was so that I can avoid that in the future, which obviously that's a, a reasonable way to approach yeah, any problem. Totally. Right. But with human beings, I think it's, um, it gets a little bit, Murky. It's multivariate. Yeah. Because you're both changing. Right. And you're both, yeah. So I agree with that. And um, one of the ways that I was reflecting on that particular relationship is we seemed to start dating with a thesis while we're super different. Mm. Hopefully we, we complement each other. Mm-hmm. And over the course of that relationship, it, I think, seemed to me like the, the differences clashed more than complemented. Mm. And... Yeah, so that was something. I, I, what you're saying resonates with me. That you know, I'm also a problem solver, mm-hmm. and I maybe optimistically, maybe arrogantly feel like I can probably solve most problems just mm-hmm. given enough time and you mm-hmm. know, uh, effort. And uh, yeah, it's just too bad when things don't work out. 
And, you know, my hope is to, you know, be looking back on that and be learning and not thinking, you know, that was, it didn't work out because I failed. But Mm. instead, you know, it didn't work out because maybe we weren't meant to be. Yeah, there's there's so many factors there too because it like could just be a timing thing. It could mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be something that you're not even considering, right? <laughs> That's just gonna I don't know. It's just you don't know. Yeah. You don't know where like exactly where her head and her heart is. Um, yeah, yeah. Were the differences? Do you think you say you were very different? Was that like a dispositional thing or like what you want from life thing or in everything? <laughs> thing I think we wanted the same there were some differences in vision for life but not much okay we both were really committed to our faith yeah we both wanted a family kids yeah. we you know um I think it was more disposition okay we were extremely different and look as time goes on I actually look back and just admire her more and more she was an amazing is an amazing person yeah and I think that it would have been, frankly, mm-hmm. easier to move on if I just wasn't quite as interested or quite as attracted, or you know, if she right. had you know some rough edges. But right. she was truly an, uh, an incredible person. We just didn't seem to really make each other that happy. We uh, mm-hmm. we'd spend time together, and uh, there's a lot of relational friction, which I feel like I kind of carry that on my shoulders more than attribute it to her. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, I would say more disposition for sure on that one. But it's it's really interesting to me, and I don't I don't date very much. Um, but thinking about, you know, I th- do think that I want somebody who's different, but then also know how frustrating it can be to try to like balance to find the balance and the complement versus the friction and the tension. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And so I can put some color around that for the relationship that I'm thinking of. We had a we had a difficult time communicating, and it's mm-hmm. fascinating because I think that we're both pretty comp- competent communicators, mm-hmm. and you know, um, we somehow found a way to not hear each each other on some important things, hmm. and that certainly wasn't you know the the only thing. But it was significant, you know? So, yeah. like, when we would have a difference, she was very extroverted. Mm-hmm. I'm very introverted. Okay. So, one of just here's one example time management. So, mm-hmm. she would want to spend all the time together. She'd mm-hmm. want to, you know, go on vacations, go on trips, just spend time face to face. Like, let's just do, like, we're building a life together. Right. And I was on board with that about 80% of kind of where she wanted, maybe 70%. But then there were some times where I just needed to carve out space and time for just me to read, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Being alone is just something that I need. So she struggled with that. And whereas I was trying to communicate, like this is, um, you know, the the amount on a percentage basis isn't a lot, but I do need this non-negotiable. And she saw that as, you know, me, me not letting her in. You know, or like me, you know, uh, kind of keeping her from me hmm. for for that amount of time. You know, like if a weekend went by and we didn't see each other, it, it hurt her. Hmm. And that was no bueno, you know, yeah. like I didn't want to hurt her. It wasn't because I was um, trying to exclude her. So that's just one example where we, we couldn't seem to appreciate and value the difference hmm. and not, you know, we couldn't seem to kind of meet each other halfway. And there were a lot of those. So it's tough. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and communication. As a communicator, a professional communicator, I think it's really interesting to think about like how to say something that's important to you or something that's like personal or emotional in a way that another person will be able to hear it. Um, right. And in right. there's only, you can't control a lot of that, but I mean, there are some things, some phrasing and, um, you know, different strategies that you can use, but a lot of the, you, you don't actually have the ability to change that person's perception or the filters that they're, impl- that they subconsciously have and that they're um, like interpreting information through hmm. like previous experiences that they've had, previous relationships that they've been in. Absolutely. Um, you have no control over that. Yeah. And so it's a tricky thing <laughs> to interact with human beings and it especially in, in such a deeply intimate and personal thing as a romantic relationship. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So do you feel like this is something that you have worked through or it's something that you keep coming back to? You've kind of talked about this a little bit, but um, do you feel like you're in a place where maybe you're ready to start dating again? Or is this like an ongoing thing, these questions that you have about how the relationship ended and not having a ton of resolution there? Right. Um, is that like a forefront of mind thing or a great question? So I've dated since, mm-hmm. and so I wouldn't say that I'm um, obstructively hung up on it, mm-hmm. but I would say that th- there are aspects of that relationship that I'm still. Um, it's an author that you know I I listen to and I read, mm-hmm. and they make the point that. When something in your past, if you're still processing it, it probably means that you haven't quite figured out how to avoid whatever happens mm-hmm. for the next time. Like there's mm-hmm. something that you still need to learn. Yeah. And once you kind of once that clicks, then you can kind of move on. I have substantially moved on. I mm-hmm. don't feel like I'm emotionally or mentally hung up. Right. So that's good. Yeah. And you know, dated since then, I had actually a significant relationship since then. Mm-hmm. But there are still uh yeah, there are still things in that relationship that my mind goes back to and is still kind of puzzling over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I'd say, you know, maybe just to answer your question, I have moved on, but um, there isn't, uh, or I guess the, the better way to say it is, you know, I'm still processing, but I don't feel hung up. I still feel like I've kind of functionally moved on. Um, just through processing this, has your faith played a big role? in being able to move on? Relationships are very hard for me. Mm-hmm. Quite hard. So I think that probably, maybe not my faith, but I think that God and the Holy Spirit have probably done some work behind the scenes mm-hmm. on my behalf, I think, um, in just trying to calm my heart a little bit and mm-hmm. not get so hung up on, you know, this didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it's it's very easy to be self-critical. So I think that probably something like, you know, maintaining a hope and not getting too, you know, caught up in having it not work out. Um, it was a, it, it's, it's a, it's a blessing that she 
and I, I think continue to be strong in our faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a couple of touch points after having gone separate ways that we saw each other and kind of reconnected. And there was, I think, just a lot of positivity. Like mm-hmm. there weren't, you know, we didn't see each other from across the room and avoid each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like we could we could talk, we could interact, we could kind of in a friendly way kind of get back to where we were in our esteem for each other. And I don't think that there's, you know, any kind of lingering, you know, romance, you know, hidden in that. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just, uh, there was grace, I think is where I'm at. Yeah. That took me a second to kind of walk myself into that <laughs> and to verbally process. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, like I think that what's unique about the Christian faith and I think that something that's been great in this relationship is grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I need to have grace for myself. Mm-hmm. I hope and trust that she has grace for me, that I have grace for her. And, oh, let me, I want to add something else to that. Um, great. Christian community. So what's been good and bad about that relationship is me and this girl, Kay, we have a lot of community overlap. Mm-hmm. We're both in the same church, very, you know, the same uh, circles. So um, I think that grace has extended, and I hope that it continues to to do so. It, it has kind of extended to the social circle where I think that people are sensitive to maybe invite us to the same event, but not because they know that there's some sort of like ill will or they Mm -hmm. need to avoid each other. But I think that, you know, just prudence maybe. I I think that she's seeing someone now Mm -hmm. and I'm grateful, even though it it takes some navigating. Because if if she and I had no overlap, then there wouldn't be any messiness. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, there would be a you know, um, there wouldn't be a kind of like knowing and being knownness mm-hmm. of the of the community, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I'm grateful to date in the church and in the community, even when it doesn't work out. You know, we're a family. We're all collectively the bride of Christ, mm-hmm. and ultimately, we have the same story. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm sure there's more there that I could try to like find my way toward, but. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Just that I'm grateful that Christian community has also played a part in our relationship. I mean, it's certainly what introduced us. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is maybe some, I've certainly experienced some hesitancy in mm-hmm. like dating inside of my community at church, which like shouldn't, that should be like the ideal place to like meet people and, and start dating. But, you know, that like, I'm very like cost benefit driven and mostly cost driven. Um, a friend called me out on that recently. <laughs> um, but, but like, you know, the like, the odds of this working out are not astronomically great um, in, in my mind, just because of who I am as a person, I guess. Um, a little bit more erring on the side of worst case scenario. Um, but like, Mm-hmm. to um, that hesitancy and that fear of what if it doesn't work out and we like have all of these friends in totally. common and not trusting that there's enough grace to cover that and not necess- and not even like trusting my friends um, and you know potentially the other person to be able to be more resilient um, and to be more mature even 
uh, to to facilitate a, a healthy situation, or to even trust that even if it completely blows up and is terrible, like God still has me. Mm-hmm. That like it will be okay in some way, shape, or form moving forward. The struggle is real. <laughs> yeah, I I totally see what you see and feel that same thing, yeah. and it's tough. And look, I I made a decision a while ago that I was just going to try to power through that and date in the church. Yeah. And I've tried to date in the church. Mm -hmm. I've tried to date out the church. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still, I guess, you know, figuring that out. But yeah, I mean, in my experience, I've, I've, I've had experiences that both contradict your intuition, which Mm -hmm. is, which is my intuition Mm -hmm. and also affirm it. Right. You know, like some have been like, wow, you know what? This didn't work out, but we're still cool. Yeah. And everyone's friends. Yeah. And we all get along. And then there's been the opposite. Hmm. Like huge rifts. Yeah. People have to choose sides. And yeah. so uh yeah, that's that it's a real thing. And I don't have an answer or a solution, but I think that we just need to be um we as Christians, I think, have the opportunity and the obligation to deal in hope. Yeah. For non-Christians, and I think that part of that is just acting and living boldly. Things aren't going to work out, but I think that we should be hopeful. Yeah. And if there's an opportunity in front of us, in front of you, in front of me, I hope that we uh, have hope and and try to move forward constructively. If it doesn't work out, we take it on the chin and trust that you know we'll find our you know ourselves back on our feet. And yeah, you know it's and it sucks, and that's yeah. I I suppose that's the game. Yeah, I think that. the challenge in there is to, when it doesn't work out, like maintain that hope that this doesn't change anything about my worth as a person, yeah, yeah. right? Like, and even I, I think that there's yeah. a lot to be said for grieving well and feeling and experiencing all the emotions that come along with, you know, this kind of a, a yeah, with this kind of a loss, you know, a breakup. Um, but, you know, being able to go through all of that surrounded by people who are going to affirm Mm -hmm. that worth, that Mm -hmm. intrinsic worth that Mm -hmm. we all have as, as image bearers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, easier said than done, I guess, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Easier said than done. But to also know that there's grace. If you, if like, I totally don't handle it well. Right. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You and I are really on the same page. Here. Like, um, yeah, because there's a huge cost, and I know the right answer, but right. I never feel the right answer. Like when yeah. things don't work out, I'm like, man, this is you know, like I the right answers I, are not good enough right. for me, anyways. Right? Yeah, like main, in, at least in the near term, like maintain it. It takes some right, time right, to kind right. of get get back on the highway. You know, you're yeah. taking an off ramp. You're like, okay, let me get back to hope. Right. And uh, emotionally, that, that that takes some time doing. You mentioned earlier, you just said something in passing that relationships are hard for you. Is there a specific thing about them that you find challenging, or me, is that just kind me, of a mostly. self-assessing it's me. thing where it, you're like, I just can't get this right? Because uh, <laughs> so I think everyone does feel that that challenge. Um, I don't know. I guess there are people that are probably good at dating. Maybe, right? Well, not to get too, not to um, widen the scope too much. That statement is, I mean, a little bit of rabbit trail, but I mean, I, you know, uh, came from a broken home and Mm -hmm. I think that I've, you know, learned a lot about myself and 
you know, people in general. When I made that statement, it was relationships in general. Mm-hmm. I would say are difficult relating, not to just people. romantic, like relating. Yeah, w- which, friendships, which kind of all of it, right? Yeah, yeah, and like so, the expectation of friendship is you know at a certain level, and the romantic relationships that much more so. Right. And so you know all of those. You know, uh, whatever whatever those challenges are, they they do amplify a little bit. Mm-hmm. But also, you have the opportunity, I think, to counterbalance them with additional, you know, kind of leaning in with additional love and um, prioritization mm-hmm. when it's a romantic relationship. I think that, um, yeah, um, romantic relationships are tough, mm-hmm. and. I guess all I can do is really just focus on my part in that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like it's it's me, and then my decision making on who I bring into that yeah. for my dating experience. Yeah. You know, and then whatever they have to bring into it, that's just kind of, you know, I can't change that for them. Hmm. It's an interesting dynamic, I guess. Yeah. Do you have like very high expectations for yourself? It sounds like. In yes. like everything in life. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. Um, I think that's right, and I think that's there's there's some foolishness there. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a self-absorption or a taking myself and my life too seriously. I mean, look mm-hmm. how many billions of people live on the earth and have lived on the earth. Mm-hmm. Who am I? You know, I'm mm-hmm. just like I'm just some guy. Maybe mm-hmm. I get hit by a truck the next day. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gone. And then like everyone gets on with their life. So like, you know, what does it matter? Maybe I just take a shot and date a girl and try to make it work. You know, there's a lot of overthinking. There's a lot of arrogance and pride, I think, in um, having too high of an expectation on on a lot of things. I think that I, you know, so I'll I'll try to, you know, continue to find some wisdom on that. I definitely, you know, take commitment seriously. I'm not, what I would say, I think maybe in my defense, I don't, I'm not, uh, of all of my character flaws, I would say that one of them isn't an aversion to commitment. I mm-hmm. really want to commit. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm looking for an opportunity to commit and, you know, build something and have a life with someone. So, you know, it's um, me having high expectations is probably something like I know that when I marry, it's not going to be me walking away from it. You know, I don't see it as like a fair weather situation. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's some some goodness and some wisdom mm-hmm. to like having that high expectation for, mm-hmm. for what that relationship is going to be. Right. But certainly there's also just maybe a self-importance that in the past I've, you know, I've, I've really overthought, I think a lot of relationships mm-hmm. that I've had. So, uh, so yeah, so now, I mean, I find myself where I'm at and I think that I need to continue to look for what would be good for me. Yeah. Yeah. So th- there's definitely a having too high of an expectation about what a relationship moving toward marriage is going to look like. Hmm. Having a high expectation for what marriage is going to be, like once I get married, having mm-hmm. a high expectation, that's probably going to be good. Mm-hmm. But I probably need to not overthink the dating situation. Yeah, I think that's really relatable. I mean, for me, as um, someone who also has high expectations for myself, and for me, it's like a, there is a right way to do relationships. And if I just like, read enough books or think about it enough or like analyze it enough, I'll be able to do that, Mm. the right 
good, perfect way Mm -hmm. to be in a relationship, Mm -hmm. to be a person relating to another human being in any type of relationship, right? Like work, friendship, romantic um, relationships. Um, But there's also that real, like, that like dual side of perfectionism for me where it's like, if I just work hard enough, I'll be able to do it. But also the realization that like, I am fundamentally incapable of doing this perfect idea that I have in my head of what it should be. Mm. And so there's also that sense of like, um, nihilism is maybe too strong of a word, but like kind of a defeatist attitude towards it. Like if I work hard enough, but also I know that I won't be able to do that. And for me, it's very much an achievement oriented view of what relationships are, which is something I've been working through personally of, oh, right. That's not, that's not the point of any of this. It's not like winning at a relationship, right? It's like, (laughs) it's, it's like this refining thing. And and we learn more about God by being around each other. Mm. Um, and so like trying to figure out how to make that shift um, has been really hard for me personally. That's relatable to me. Uh, totally agree. Yeah. yeah, I feel that. And yeah, the achievement of dating. Um, mm-hmm. Which is like also a very New York way to view dating probably. You know, what's? Uh, I think the thing that I struggle with the most in New York is it does not seem to be a culture that has any concept of lifelong commitment. Hmm. You know? Yeah. There's a concept of lifelong stuckness, hmm. which everyone's trying to avoid. You yeah. Know? Like, if I make the wrong move in my career, I'll it'll be a dead-end job. I hear that a lot. Dead-end, you know? Hmm. Is this a dead-end relationship? Is this a dead-end job? Am I going to buy this, you know, mm-hmm. condo and then get stuck here for the next 20 years? So Yeah, that's that's real. It seems to me that people's concept of a lifelong whatever it is is net negative and mm-hmm. that the best life you can live is free, unattached, you yeah. know, uh, open horizon for the whole rest of your life. And that has never made sense to me. That is mm-hmm. not intuitive to me. Like, I understand the the appetite. Yeah. But um, immediately seems false. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, like, I think a great way to be countercultural in New York is to marry, settle down, <laughs> have a, you know, have a kid or two or not, and, you know, just uh, get planted yeah. and, you know, bear fruit and, you know, maybe God moves you, maybe he doesn't. But yeah, it's, yeah. And I don't feel like I'm really bought into that. So maybe it's not as much of uh, an aspect of the the culture that I struggle with, but I see other people struggling with it. Yeah. And in my past, that has been a struggle. Hmm. Um, so, you know, watch out New Yorkers. <laughs> Don't get too comfortable with the concept of, you know. Novelty. Not, thank you. Yeah. I've, something fit in that, you know, at the end of that sentence. And yeah. I, I wasn't quite there. Words, words are hard. As someone who does words for a living, I can tell you, words are hard. Um, yeah, and I, I totally find myself guilty of that mindset, that like kind of dead end. Like, because as I said, I'm very worst case scenario, just like naturally mm-hmm. is where my brain kind of goes. Um, so if it's like there's a possibility of, you know, stuckness. 
then I'm very hesitant yeah. to like jump in. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> but that's where the that's where I, life is. Yeah. Like there's goodness there. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if it doesn't look like getting married, but like the idea of planning roots and and being committed to a group of people or a community or a, yeah. a neighborhood um is definitely uh not the most New York idea. Yeah. Probably. And to affirm the instinct, like that, you know, keeps us away from unhealthy things that are true stuck, like unhealthy stuck. Right. Like, right. You know, I just take a step back for a second. Just think to yourself, like, not everyone is going to or wants to be a parent. But what's the best thing for a child? Probably for their parent, for them to have parents who are quote unquote stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're just in a house having kids and are there for thirty years, that's best outcome for a kid. Right. You know? Like assuming that things are healthy and good. Right. As opposed to like jet setting lifestyle parents that are, you know, maybe I want to stay married, maybe I want to do my own thing. And like that's so it's it's not part of the fabric of like the family unit and how people I think develop it from childhood through adolescence and right. you know, just anyway. The difference there being between stability and stuckness, which I think are there's a little bit of nuance. To right. find there, right? Where stability, yeah, um, yeah, stuckness implies a complacency, mm. and a complacency moving towards like mm. devolution. Is that a word? Anti-evolution, backward solution. Yeah, <laughs> devolution. We're gonna say that's a word. Man, words are hard. Regression. I, I, I regression. regression. That's it. That's regression. the one. Regression. There we go. <laughs> Regression versus stability, which allows for continual growth. Yeah, in a safe environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, there, that there is something there. Because um, you, you also, you know, you don't want to have kids and then have them grow up in a stagnant household, right? right. Like they want to see that you know, mom and dad are growing and developing in their own rights. But right. so there's, yeah, interesting. A lot, lot to think about. So dating. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I guess, you know, looking for that person to get stuck with. Mm -hmm. You know, find that person. To get stable with. To get stable with. Yes. (laughs) Look at you being the PR end of this discussion. Uh, You know, do what I can. It's a one-woman show here, Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried. You're doing great. Got to wear all of the hats all the time, except the sound editing hat. That is not a hat I wear, Okay, thankfully. Thankfully, yeah, you're just not into it. No, I also don't know that I would be especially good at it. It's very finicky, and I frustrate easily with finicky things. Got it. So steer clear. Just a little fun fact <laughs> for all you listeners. <laughs> Learning more about Looking Mary B. For in, Mary B. Which is just really the point here, right? right? If we're being honest, <laughs> just a huge spotlight on me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Um, well, uh, it's a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here to wrap up. Yeah. Will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? Yes. One thing that is hard is seeing people who are unjust. And then uh, one thing that's great, mm-hmm. love. Well, <laughs> Mark, thank you for being here. Thank you, Mary B. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Mark for making the time to sit down with me. 
If you have any thoughts, comments, or questions, there are a couple of ways you can get in touch. One, head to my website, marybesaferit.com, and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get a special message from me every other Wednesday, and you can directly reply to any of those. Two, click on the Contact Me page on my website and drop me a line. Three, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Four, follow me on Instagram at marybesaferit. Theme music is by Chad Rollinson and sound editing by Andrew Kim. Unsuitable with Mary B. Safert is copyright 2019. Mary B. Safert LLC. All rights reserved.